How far would you go to fight for your children? Whether you're married, whether you're single, preparing for children one day, how far are you willing to sacrifice and fight for their better future? I want you to think about that question for a minute because that is the theme and focus of these opening chapters in the Book of Mormon. I want to begin today with a story. This is a true story of seven very brave parents who lived over 500 years ago in Coventry, England. These parents were secretly teaching their children the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments in English in their native tongue, but they were caught. We're going to play here the opening scene from the movie God's Outlaw, the story of William Tyndale. As the scene opens in Coventry, England, you will see some of these parents. Um, In the original story, six of these parents were fathers, but one was a mother. She was was actually just a widow. And this opening scene shows the children being interrogated by the religious leaders in Coventry, England. Speak. Child, show us your great learning. You have nothing to fear but God's wrath, my little one. So speak. Our father. Yes. There is more. Our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone. I most solemnly forbid you, child, ever again to speak the creed, the Lord's Prayer, or the Ten Commandments in English. We need hear no more. The men will burn. But of our great compassion and mercy, the widow will be spared to provide for this brood after we have taught them afresh the godly ways of the church. See, she is safe home, Martin. Take the rest away. Now, in actuality, the children were actually separated from their parents for this interrogation. The parents were imprisoned, some of them underground, and then the children were used to obtain evidence against their own parents. And in the end of the story, all seven of the parents were burnt. In the movie, you saw the widow being allowed to leave, but she was actually later caught. She was on her way home, and the constable found some papers of scriptures hidden in her sleeves. Um, had some portions of the Bible written in English. And so he immediately threw her back in jail, and she was burnt at the stake, burnt alive um, with the rest of the fathers. And to this day, there is no documented history that tells what happened to those children. Now, can you imagine being one of those parents, not knowing what's going to happen to your children? Why would they do that? Why was it worth the risk just to teach their children the Lord's Prayer or the Ten Commandments in your native tongue? Like, wouldn't it be better to stay alive for your children? Now, as you think about this story... And you think about why those parents were willing to take that risk. 
what did those fathers and those mothers know? Why were they willing to risk everything? I think we're going to find the answer to that in the opening chapters of the Book of Mormon. So let's step back for a moment and look at the big picture. How does the Book of Mormon begin? So the Book of Mormon opens where we have a situation where we have a corrupt and apostate church. And Lehi is a man who listens to some of these prophets that are coming forward and they're preaching repentance. And it leads him on a journey to eventually lead his family to the promised land. Now, if we understand the culture in Lehi's day, again, you have the Jews, you have their very religious-oriented people. They, they really believe they're the chosen people, but they've completely apostatized. The, the faith that they have, it's, it's really hypocritical. It's not even based in the scriptures. Jeremiah was one of the contemporary prophets with Lehi. Um, of course, you learn about Jeremiah in the Bible, but there's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 8 that seems to imply that not only was the religion being corrupted, but there were priests and there were scribes who were actually altering the scriptures. And then if you go into the Book of Mormon, you have Lehi and he has to ha send his sons back to Jerusalem. And Nephi and his brothers, they literally have to sacrifice all of their wealth. They have to risk their lives. They lose everything just trying to get the brass plates. So it seems to set this picture that the scriptures were being withheld from the people in Jerusalem. Lehi didn't have access to them. He didn't even know his genealogy. He didn't even know who he was. So this is the context when we open and begin the Book of Mormon. Now let's go to our day. So the very first sign of the times, the very first um, really period of history or event that prophets and, and scripture and the Lord has specified is kind of the beginning of our day is the Reformation. Now, most of us don't really know that much about the Reformation because it's been pretty much removed from our textbooks and our history and just our common knowledge. We'll talk about that later. But let's just talk about what was going on during the Reformation, during the, during the Dark Ages, during the Medieval period, during the Renaissance. So this is a period of time where, just like in Lehi's day, you had a church that had gone apostate, very corrupt. And very similar to Lehi's day, where he's not able to access the plates of brass, you have in the Reformation period, the Bible was actually illegal to possess in your own tongue. We also learn from later chapters in the Book of Mormon that the Bible was altered and it was changed. So you have this corruption of faith. And it's very fascinating because, of course, we refer to this period of time often as the Dark Ages. And that really is true. During this period of time, you have technology, science, our understanding of medicine and, and other progress and advancements really came to a screeching halt. The world went into darkness as the gospel was taken from the earth. Perhaps more dangerous, though, was the removal of the scriptures for several hundred centuries, the great detector of error. And now people did not have access to learn and read the Bible for themselves. But the worst creation of Rome was the Inquisition of the 13th century, which raged in several countries and killed countless millions who refused to surrender their conscience and convictions to the church. As J.A. Wiley says, the noon of the papacy was the midnight of the world. It's also interesting to note that during this time, there were very few significant technological or scientific advancements being made. 
if we go back to the Book of Mormon, you have ordinary dads and many other men, it says many prophets, they start speaking out, they start pushing back. And they're persecuted. They're put in prison. Um, Of course, you have the stories of Jeremiah and other prophets are very heavily persecuted. Their lives are on the line. Then you have Lehi and his family. They have to leave Jerusalem. They have to escape because the Jews, the apostate Jews, the other members of the church are trying to kill Lehi. And if they don't leave the country, they're going to die, right? And then Lehi later sends his boys back and says, you have to fight lose and risk everything, all of our wealth, to get the scriptures back. So again, back to our day, in the Reformation period, you have the same thing happens. You have this apostate church, but you have men and women that begin fighting back. But a little different than Lehi's day, in our day, you have millions being martyred, millions being tortured and persecuted to preserve the scriptures in the native tongue. And then after it was lost, you have a huge effort, huge sacrifices made to get the Bible translated into English. This persecution later drives these reformers in Europe to come to America, come to the promised land, just like persecution drove Lehi and his family to the promised land. So I hope you're beginning to see these parallels between the Book of Mormon and the first sign of the time, the Reformation. Using the four-day model, we're going to look at every period of our history from the best we can looking at it from the Lord's perspective. So we're going to ask, what has the Lord said about this period of history and how are we supposed to understand it? So if you go to 1 Nephi 13, this is when Nephi has his vision of the apostasy. And the reason why this vision is so critical is it teaches us the point of the Dark Ages. You have secular textbooks that might focus on, you know, the Crusades or this or that war or the Silk Road. But what does the Lord think is important about this period of history? When you look at Nephi's description, what he sees, he uses these words to describe this period of time. He talks about this most abominable church. This is really the Roman church um, that apostatized shortly after Christ and the apostles were killed. Um, This church, quote, slays the saints. These are the words that Nephi uses, tortures the saints, binds the saints down, yokes them with a yoke of iron brings them down into captivity, destroys them. It's the devil that's the founder of this abominable church with all this wealth. That's their focus, right? This wealth, the gold, the silver, the silks, and and harlots. And Nephi actually uses the phrase out of captivity five times to describe this fleeing of righteous Israel and persecuted Israel in Europe. So the emphasis is very clear. The Lord wants us to understand there was a huge period of captivity and persecution and sacrifices and and suffering that happened during the Dark Ages. Now, why does this suffering even matter? So to answer this question, I'm going to share a story from Joseph Smith's life that I don't know how many have actually heard of. Um, This is more of a lesser known story, but in the fall of 1834, this is during the Kirtland period, and this is actually during a period where Joseph Smith was beginning to be heavily persecuted by a lot of apostates. Um, A lot of lies and slander were being told. Um, You have persecution going on in Missouri with the mobs. 
and just persecution is really heating up in his life. And during that time, he visits a family in Missouri, and he notices this book sitting on their shelf. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And this is what happens next. This is told by Edward Stevenson, who was a young boy at the time. He says, quote, While looking over our copy of a large English book of martyrs, he expressed sympathy for the Christian martyrs and a hope for their salvation. He asked to borrow the book, promising to return it when he should meet us again in Missouri. On returning it, he said, I have, by the aid of the Urim and Thummim, seen those martyrs. They were honest, devoted followers of Christ according to the light they possessed, and they will be saved. End quote. Now, the reason why this story is so remarkable is Fox's Book of Martyrs was a book that was compiled during the 1500s, telling the stories of these men, women, and frankly, even children at times who literally laid down their lives and were tortured in indescribable ways for just trying to bring the scriptures into the common tongue, um, obtain the Bible, or hold on to their faith. That story that we started out with, the story of those seven parents in Coventry who were burned, that comes from Fox's Book of Martyrs. And Joseph Smith was clearly very impacted by their testimony and, according to his own words, saw those martyrs in vision and he said they were amazing heroes and they were saved. So this is a book that you can actually obtain for free. There's actually some free audio versions on YouTube. It's a book that I highly recommend reading. Although I would be advised there are some portions that are a little hard to get to. It begins with the early Christians. It talks about what happened in those days. Um, suffering that a lot of us don't know about because it's literally been eliminated from our textbooks. We're talking about um, Jesus Christ was not the only one crucified. You had many, many other early Christians who were as well for their faith. Um, you have men and women who were boiled in oil, who were thrown to wild lions and bears, um, buried alive. Um, they had a horrible, torturous method where they would cover people with, um, cover these Christians with boiling pitch and then use them as night torches. Um, so this is, it's a book that it may be a little bit hard to get through, but these stories are critical. Why? Because we need to understand what they were willing to risk and what they were willing to go through to preserve the scriptures because it starts teaching us, wait a minute, why are the scriptures so important? Why were the brass plates so important for Lehi? Why was the Bible so critical in the Reformation and why are the scriptures critical today? So as a quick overview for those that aren't quite familiar with the history, let's do a quick run of the numbers. Every time you look at the Bible, I want you to remember the sacrifices that were made so that you could hold that book in your hands. This is a quote from John Dowling in the History of Romanism. He says, quote, from the birth of popery in 606 to the present time, this is in the 1800s, it is estimated by careful and credible historians that more than 50 millions of the human family have been slaughtered. And then he says, that's an average of more than 40,000 religious murders for every year of the existence of popery, end quote. Another statement from John Wesley goes as follows. He says, quote, some have computed that from the year 1518 to 1548, 
15 million of Protestants have perished by war and the Inquisition. The Inquisition was a method used by the Roman Church um, to capture, torture, and interrogate, and then um, kill Christians um, or men and women who were fighting back against this apostate faith. He says, to these we may add innumerable martyrs in ancient, middle, and late ages in Bohemia, Germany, Holland, France, England, Ireland, and many other parts of Europe, Africa, and Asia, end quote. So as we begin going through just a few of these numbers, it's critical that, to understand the extent. You know, we so often talk about the Holocaust and this or that, a war, World War One, World War II. This is a Holocaust of extraordinary proportions. And we never talk about this. How often do you just go to any public school, even just go to any ward, do a survey? How much do you know about the Reformation? What do you know about the Waldensians? What do you know about the Huguenots? Our history has literally been taken away from us. Um, just to give you some other idea of understanding what was going on during this period, in the 1500s in France, you had the Huguenot movement. That's what the reformers uh, were called in France. You had about 4 million Huguenots killed in 40 years just during the Huguenot Wars. In 1572, just in one year, you had King Charles who ordered the massacre of thousands of Huguenot reformers. They estimate probably 30 to 70,000 were martyred. Um, you have the Scottish Covenanters. They went through the killing times in 18 years alone. You had approximately about 18,000 were killed. That was up in Scotland. You have the Spanish Inquisition, and we don't even know for sure the numbers on that, but some people estimated around 2 million victims. Um, the numbers just keep going and going and going. You have from only 1540 to 1570, you have about 900,000 Waldensians being massacred. So again, we're talking about millions and millions of people being slaughtered. And for what? right? This isn't just a genocide of race or a political faction. These are massacres going on because of men and women standing up and saying, we are going to hold to the faith. We are going, we want the scriptures in our native tongue. And if you try to take it away from us, we are going to fight and you can kill us. You can torture us, but we are going to teach our children the Bible. We are going to fight for freedom and for liberty. This is during the dark ages. This is this is our history. These are our forefathers and foremothers, no matter what culture you come from, because they laid the foundation for the restoration. And while most of us don't know much of this history today, about 200 years ago, actually, it was pretty well known. Um, there's a book called The Story of Liberty. It was actually written for schools so that children would know the, the subtitle. It says, so you will comprehend what liberty has cost and what it is worth. So these stories were taught to children so they could understand this is why your faith matters. This is why freedom matters. But today... We, we don't know any of these stories. John Taylor, who, of course, was the third president of the church, he wrote in his, one of his books, The Government of God, uh, he was talking actually about the Reformation. He said, I'm just going to skip over that history because, you know, all the Latter-day Saints know this story. That was less than 200 years ago. Today, when I first read his statement, I was like, I got to go figure this out. Who are, who are these people? Again, why are we talking so much about the Reformation? Because... If the four-day model is correct, if this theory is correct, Lehi's day, the opening of the Book of Mormon, 
is put there specifically to help parallel the Reformation and to help us understand the Reformation better. Now, you might ask, well, why do we need the Book of Mormon then? Why don't we just, why doesn't the Lord just say, hey, study the Reformation, study these periods of history. Why do we need the Book of Mormon to parallel? And the reason for that is because the Book of Mormon helps us understand our day better. It helps us understand what matters about the Reformation. You could spend the next 30 years studying Reformation history, and but, but what does the Lord care about? What is the point of that history. And the point is this battle over scripture and this persecution that forces Israel to come to the promised land to establish a new covenant. Growing up, uh, my dad actually did a pretty good job trying to help teach us this history and help us to appreciate it. And one of the ways that he did that was actually through movies. So there are several movies on uh, the Reformation and Reformation history that you can watch, um, actually most of them for free. And they really help paint this picture. You know, it's one thing to set a book down in front of your kids or a book down in front of any of us and say, read this. Okay, when am I going to have time for that? And, 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 and frankly, it's just not as good of a delivery method as movies. And so if you go to the resources that we have in the four our day lesson plan for lesson two, you're going to find a list of a bunch of movies for all ages. There's even some cartoons for kids. So I'd really encourage you, if you're interested in the Reformation and you want to learn more, please go watch those movies. It's movies like God's Outlaw, the story of William Tyndale, some of the Torchlighter cartoons, um, some movies on Martin Luther's life, and then even some short uh, video clips about the Waldensians. Those stories will change your life. So I really encourage you to take the time to just go watch some of those with your family. The theme of the opening of the Book of Mormon, again, is it is worth any cost to fight to bring the scriptures to the knowledge of the common person. We're not just talking about, oh, can people access the scriptures? We're also talking about, can people understand the scriptures? So many of us can, yes, we can open up our phones. We can read the Book of Mormon. We can read the Bible. We can read the Doctrine and Covenants and the Pearl of Great Price. But do we understand them? That, that is a huge mission um, that we need more Latter-day Saints standing up for, helping make the scriptures more accessible and understanding and understandable to the world.